Welcome to the Heal Podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama Five, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to talk to you about what is in your personal care products and cosmetics. What you put on your skin, which is your largest organ, is just as important as what you consume. Your body immediately absorbs what is on the skin. But did you know that there is limited regulation in the personal care industry? And the last law that was passed was 1938. So the chemicals and ingredients in your products have not been tested for human safety. So for those of you struggling with your health, it is super important to use clean products. Eight years ago, I started using Beauty Counter for my cosmetics and personal care products. They are the leaders in clean, safer products that work. Beauty Counter has done the research and taken the guesswork out of what is safe. Go to lime360.com forward slash beauty counter to learn more. Reach out to me at mimi at lime360.com if you want to learn more or find out what my favorite products are. Welcome back to the Heal Podcast. This is Mimi, and today we have Jessica Schneider, and she is a Lyme activist and founder of Partner in Lyme, along with her daughter. She founded her foundation in response to her family's experience with Lyme. Her daughter was diagnosed after searching for two years and seeing over 10 doctors. Jessica founded Partners in Lyme with the goal of helping people with financial burden of fighting Lyme disease. The charity works to donate money to individuals who might not be able to keep up with their cost of living and the treatment of Lyme. Lyme disease. Partners in Lyme has grown in the midst of a hard year and help people who are in need of help and hope. To get my detox for Lyme checklist, go to lime360.com forward slash detox checklist. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on today. I would love to start out by talking about how you got involved with Lyme and the personal connection that you have. Sure. Thanks for having me. I came to Lyme, not unlike so many other people through my family member. My daughter, Grace, was diagnosed two years ago after a two-year battle to find out what was causing all these health problems. We bounced from doctor to doctor to doctor and finally uncovered that it was Lyme. And so she's still in the process of her healing. And through her healing journey, we were led to found a nonprofit to help other people who are in similar situations. That's great. And so can you tell us a little bit about your non-for-profit? Sure. It's Partner in Lyme. And we just celebrated our first anniversary in January. So growing a new nonprofit in the middle of a pandemic was a really interesting experience. Um, But it was actually really great because so many people were in need, extra need to afford medical treatments and have goods and services and treatment options available to them that they just didn't have extra disposable money for. So we were able to help 11 people so far. We give $1,000 of financial assistance to residents of Connecticut who are in treatment for Lyme disease. That's great. And now if if someone's interested in applying, is it just one time a year? Is it ongoing? How, How do they apply? Because we're so small, we really want to keep it personal. So we do rolling. So as our applications come in, we are able to process it timely and turn that money back over to them. So whatever it is that they're waiting on, they can afford it quickly. We let them spend the money on anything that helps them heal in body, mind, and spirit. So usually they've been putting off 
purchasing something or ordering a special blood test that would give them more information or scheduling, you know, certain treatments, because again, we all know how expensive Lyme disease is. So having that money quickly is really a blessing. So we try to get it to them as quickly as possible. It's usually um, administered about a week to two weeks after we received a complete application. That's great. And so you don't really dictate where they're putting the money towards. You kind of let it up to them to decide. Mm -hmm. As long as it falls under the umbrella of health and wellness and is specific for their Lyme treatment, then Mm -hmm. we give them the discretion to really put it towards what they feel they need best. That's great. Now, how um, have you been getting donations to your charity? We have just a really great base of supporters and we have people that know of my family's journey, know of Grace, know of her story and have felt compelled to support us and her through this. And she actually participated in the Front Steps Project last year, which was a national movement that I think went international where photographers went around to people in the pandemic who were quarantining in March, April, May and took Front Steps pictures of families. And so she was able to do that. And she was one of our largest donors last year. People had their picture taken and in lieu of paying the photographer, they donated the money to Partner Online. Who was the photographer that did that? My daughter, my daughter. Well, she didn't found it. I don't know who the founder was. It was a Boston-based photographer. And as news of this project spread, it spread throughout the nation and then even into parts of Europe. And I'm not exactly sure where else it spreads to, but yeah, photographers just did this out of the the generosity of their hearts. And then in lieu of taking payment, they asked the families to support whatever nonprofit that photographer was supporting. And in Grace's situation, she supported Partner Online. Oh, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. So can you talk a little bit about her journey? Like as far as like, what has she been doing to try to get better and different modalities if she's gone the traditional route or what's worked for her? Yeah, we've done a little bit of both. When she came to her diagnosis, she was just 18. And we were really new to Lyme disease. And at the time, we felt it would be best to do more of an integrative approach. So we did the antibiotics. We also did herbs and supplements. And we really looked at ways to support her body holistically, just as she was going through this process. So unfortunately for her, the antibiotics didn't really work. They just made her very, very sick. She got to the point where she said, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to take a break from all of this. And she did, you know, she took a a couple months off and just focused completely on healing her gut and getting her body strong again. And then we took a different approach and she decided to do an all herbal based treatment protocol. And thankfully that's really what her body responds to best. So she's been on that for about the past six months and is, Moving towards healing, I mean, she still has a way to go, but she's so much better than where she was this time last year. And Mm -hmm. we support her with, you know, essential oils and chiropractic treatment, physical therapy, halo therapy, nutritional therapy. We just kind of look at her whole body. You know, what does her body need to get strong and fight this? Is she in school right now or is she at home just trying to get better? At the beginning of her diagnosis, she was in college. She was, right. she was an art major specializing in photography, and it was very, very hard for her. As she began treatment and got sick, or than she already was, I was able to help her. I would drive her to school. I would wait for her to do classes. I would drive her home. She was commuting, so that was fortunate. 
But then it got to the point where it was really too much for her. And then COVID hit and she just could not do school um, online because the brain fog and the cognitive issues. Reading has always been a problem. It causes her to have migraines. So online learning really wasn't an option. And in person, she can't mask for very long because that causes migraines. So she decided to take a break and just focus entirely on her photography business. And last year, that business really took off and she got into the the area of small intimate weddings. And that just opened up a whole new avenue for her. So she's had a really successful year professionally and is taking a break from her education traditionally right now. That that's great. That's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting about, I did a blog article last week about different charities that people could go to, to turn to, to get financial mm-hmm. assistance. And, you know, it's, there's not many of them out there. I mean, I, I came up with, I think less than 10 or 12, you know, it's interesting because right. it is such a financial burden for Lyme patients, you know, and it, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, do you have any insight as to, I don't know the answer, but I just love your opinion of, of like, you know, why, it's amazing how it's just not covered by insurance. And I don't know, like as you've dove into and and created this charity, if you've had any insight as to why this is happening. I strongly recommend watching the documentary Under Our Skin. It gives you a real good, solid backstory to answer that question. But it's really, it comes down to a lot of politics that surround this disease, which Mm -hmm. is really unfortunate because I don't see it in other diseases. When you get diagnosed with other diseases, you have this team of people that rally around you. They have walks in your honor and people, you know, put on t-shirts and and really just lift you up emotionally and financially. And that doesn't happen with Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because the CDC refuses to accept chronic Lyme disease as an official diagnosis. Um, They're calling it post-Lyme treatment syndrome. And as such, insurance companies won't cover a syndrome. So we as Lyme patients are really forced to finance our own treatment. And unfortunately, Lyme doctors, Lyme literate medical doctors, those people who will step outside that boundary that the CDC has set saying that Lyme disease is something that is cured with two weeks of antibiotics. We know that that might be the case if you catch the tick on you and you pluck it off and you test it and you get that two weeks of antibiotics, hopefully you will be okay. But that's not the case, not even for acute Lyme, but it is not the case for chronic Lyme. If you've had Lyme disease for a while and it's really gone systemic in your body, two weeks of antibiotics isn't going to do anything. So in order for a doctor to treat you according to what your body needs, they have to step outside of that boundary that the CDC has set and they won't take insurance. And so again, we have to self-fund it. And the average Lyme patient can pay up to $50,000 a year out of pocket to finance their treatment. And for some people, that's just not, it's not Mm -hmm. possible. So Mm -hmm. many people are left untreated and getting sicker because they can't afford to even begin to finance their treatment. Yeah, it's heartbreaking to see that it's not being covered. And it's just, especially because the fact that it's not recognized and there are other diseases that have like what we're going through now, they're recognizing those long haulers. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are they recognizing those, but not what we're going through? So it's definitely frustrating. And for anybody who's listening, who doesn't live in Connecticut, do you have any other organizations that you've kind of know about or touch base with? that maybe they can look for funding if they're not a Connecticut resident. 
On our website, partnerinlime.org, I have a resource section where I'm compiling um, information, you know, books that people recommend that you read, places that you can get your tick tested if you won't find one on yourself or your child, and organizations, charities, foundations that will provide funding. So I do have links like you. I have been doing some research into what other organizations are out there and I provided links. So if you're not a resident of Connecticut, I want you also to be able to come to us for resources and I will absolutely help you find something that is in your area that you might qualify for help. And through Partner in Lyme, we realize that although we keep it geographic and we only give financial assistance to residents of Connecticut, you know, we do have programming that we make available to everyone. So we have some Zoom support groups, some prayer groups, and just book studies. Like we, we did the chronic book. We had a book discussion mm-hmm. based around that. So I try to do programming that's available to everyone, knowing that the funding really is only available to residents of Connecticut. Right. I love um, Chronic Book. I just finished that. I just interviewed Dana as well mm-hmm. for the podcast. And it was a great book because I felt like it really dove into the politics that's not talked a lot about yeah. Lyme. So it's been interesting. So is there anything else that we haven't covered either about your organization or about Lyme or about treatments that you think you know my listeners would love to hear about? You know, I think the one thing that's really weighed on my heart this past year with everything that we've just had to walk through as a country is how much we need each other. And I think when it comes to Lyme disease in particular, so many people who are either in treatment or waiting to be able to get treatment have a sense of almost hopelessness sometimes when it comes to this disease. And I just encourage people that are listening to this to reach out to somebody if they feel like they're in a place where this this journey is just really hard or this illness is just too overwhelming or it's, you know, breaking up a family or causing stress on a marriage. You know, we know that money is the number one stress and it's the cause of most divorces when we talk about costs involved with Lyme. You know, it's just, it's a snowball effect of Mm -hmm. stress. And I think trying to hold that up yourself and trying to carry that, that burden alone is just too much. So I just really encourage people, no matter where you are to just, you know, pick up the phone, reach out to somebody, say that you just need someone to just listen to and, you know, help carry that burden for you. And so that's just something that's kind of been weighing on me is that we need each other in a way that we may not have realized until this past year has showed us just how interconnected we all are. So, you know, if you know of somebody in your family that has Lyme disease, you know, reach out to them and just check in on them and ask them how you can help. Because even if they're not asking for help, there's ways that you can help support them in this illness. No, it's true. And I think having gone through it, me personally, I realized like once I started feeling better, I, you know, I said to my husband, like, you realize when you're down and out, I mean, cause he was kind of leaving on me to find my cure and my treatment. And it's just like to expect someone when they don't feel well mm-hmm. to do the research and even just make that phone call to a doctor's appointment is just monumental. It's like climbing a mountain because when you don't feel well, the last thing you want to do is fill out the paperwork and start a whole new protocol with a whole new doctor. And, and so, yeah, I think you're right to say, you know, like 
if you're, you know, listening and you are struggling right now, like get somebody else to be your advocate and do your research sure. because you can't even, like, I don't know when I was that late, I couldn't even read like the thought of reading and researching. And even if I was reading, I don't remember what I was reading the mm-hmm. chapter before, you know, just to have that support of someone just kind of being like, that makes sense. That doesn't make sense or, or trust your, even in your intuition. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine having to walk through this alone because what people don't realize is when you go to these Lyme appointments, they're not like your traditional doctor appointments with your primary care where you're in and out in 15 minutes and you usually walk out with a prescription and you fill it. And then 10 days later, you're hopefully good to go. Like these Lyme appointments can last one to three hours sometimes. And so you're going into it, like you said, not feeling a hundred percent, possibly struggling with neurological issues, unable to read and concentrate for very long. And you have to answer these questions and remember from appointment to appointment, what, how your protocol has changed, how your symptoms have changed. You can't do that. I've been able to do that for my daughter and she's been really open to having me be that support person for her. I mean, my binder is three inches thick Mm -hmm. with just blood work and notes and symptom checklists and diet plans. It's a lot to maintain. So if you're trying to do this, if you don't have a spouse or, you know, someone going with you, encourage them, encourage a friend or someone in your family, just to be that person for you and to go to the appointments with you to be a note taker or to just record the doctor appointment on your phone so that you can go back and reference it because it's a lot of information to manage when you're not feeling great. So yeah, there was one person I also interviewed a while back, Daisy White. I don't know if you've ever come across her. She does that. She's a, she's a Lyme advocate and that's Mm -hmm. what she does for people. I mean, from like delivering, you know, groceries to like, Hey, this is your symptoms. This is the type of doctor you should go to this neurological Lyme doctor, or you should go this route if you want to go the antibiotic route or, you know, she kind of, so finding that advocate is super important. Like you said, that's a great point. But thank you so much for everything that you're doing for the Lyme community, you know, and I think the more we can get the word out there and work with each other, maybe there'll be some changes in the government and covering of insurance or cure or even some treatments or even a proper diagnosis, (laughs) diagnostic tool. I hope so. There's been some encouraging signs. I mean, just today, the Cohen Foundation announced that they're awarding $16 million to Columbia University and they're going to start a specialized treatment facility for Lyme. So that's great. And I do think that there's an opportunity through COVID. Like you were saying, there are long haulers with COVID and their symptoms are very similar to the symptoms of chronic Lyme. So as Mm -hmm. the world opens up to the, the awareness that not all diseases look the same and not all diseases have a timeline, as that becomes something that's more accepted, hopefully the Lyme community will get the acceptance that we've been waiting for for a long time. That's true. Now, the Columbia investment that they just made, is that for the disulfiram program that they're going through? Or is that just general? Like No, I think it's a more rounded approach. So okay. it's a care treatment like facility that will offer wow. all different components of care centered around Lyme disease. And I okay. know that they will have access to, you know, treatments that are experimental. So something yep. like dust from could fall under that. Yeah, I know that's no. what they've been studying there. That mm-hmm. that's been their primary focus. So yes. Um, yeah. So this is a big expansion on, on that program. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate thank you for it. Having me. And for anybody um, who's listening and wants to either submit or go to the resources, you go to partnerinlime.org. Mm-hmm. Correct. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on, and I am so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week. If you want to learn how I detox and you want to check out my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to Lyme360.com forward slash detox checklist. You can also join our community at Lyme360 Warriors on Facebook and let's heal together. Thank you.